0: Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. And for those who don't know, what is this a podcast of? It's a podcast of happiness and wellness and telling awesome stories that build you up. But it's all about education. And it's all about things that you just want to know a little bit more about. So I had this idea that I wanted to do a kind of like a guilty pleasures month. And when I'm thinking about some guilty pleasures, what jumps to mind? Well, what about coffee? You don't have to tell me if you like it or not. But I thought we all could use a little education on coffee because tell me this. How many times have you been in line at a Starbucks and the person in front of you Order some coffee concoction with all these ingredients, and you're like, "Wow, this is more complicated than one of my medications I write for my patient." You know, so I thought it'd be good if we get some coffee one hundred and one. So I'm going directly to the source this time. I got an amazing coffee dude to actually teach us some things over here. So I'm going to talk about Steve Fucci, and here's his bio and expert in all things espresso steven frucci is a business school graduate an accomplished musician and a co-host of the "Been there done that coffee podcast based in toronto canada with over 20 years of professional experience in the espresso coffee industry steven is a factory certified espresso machine technician and second generation coffee distributor steven's family business Northwest Kitchenware has been importing and distributing Italian espresso machines for over 40 years as retailers of espresso makers for the home, as well as commercial espresso machines for cafes and restaurants. The family has also developed their own premium blend espresso coffee to complement their quality espresso products. I think this man knows what he's talking about. With that being said, Stephen, how are you doing today?
2: I'm great, Dr. Raj. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Of course, you know, if, I mean, I got to tell you, when I told some of the listeners that you're coming on and answering coffee questions, my email kind of just blew up. I can't believe how many questions we have for you. Right,
2: I'll try to answer whatever I can as best as I can.
1: <laughs> so let's start off with some basics. I just want to know, it sounds like your your family's been doing this for quite a while. How did your family get into the coffee business?
2: Well, my parents immigrated from Italy to Canada, late 60s. Uh, my father found himself in the kitchenware business by the mid-70s, early 1980s. Uh, he opened up his first retail store. And uh, aside from kitchenware, started focusing on bringing in espresso machines directly from Italy. Fast forward 40 years later, still going strong, uh, now focusing on an online approach in addition to the retail store. Uh, yeah, we've been uh, selling espresso machines for over four decades.
1: Let's go to some what I call the 101 question. So let's talk about the coffee bean down to the basics. What are my choices of coffee beans? How can you keep it simple for us? To
2: simplify, there's usually two major categories everybody kind of hears about or or is actually drinking on the market. Uh, That would be your Arabicas versus your Robusta coffees. Both can be either combined. Uh, Arabica coffee can be enjoyed on its own as a single-origin beverage. Very distinct, so uh, absolutely night-and-day contrast as to what uh, palate they'll bring, but both phenomenal choices, really.
1: So w- what is the more popular of the two, if you got to pick one? Typically, I would say the Arabicas.
2: Although they're uh, a little bit more difficult to cultivate and to come by, they tend to be the most popular, uh, high-acidity very sweet, and compared to the robusta coffee, so it tends to be more of a go-to, uh, especially for your morning coffee, that sort of thing. I would I would probably say that arabica is usually the uh, the, the main choice. Everyone always hears about one hundred percent arabica coffee, uh, and that's usually where the palate will take it.
1: All right, well, let me kind of add on to this. Uh, an origins, so does it matter where the coffee is from? Talking about the country, the soil. Do those really play a huge role in in getting some good tasting coffee?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Region and climate is everything to how the bean is grown, how it's uh, cultivated, how it's harvested. A lot of it uh, will vary. um, So your arabica coffees, for example, a lot of those are grown at higher altitudes, more mountainous regions, they receive more natural shade from the trees in the mountains and whatnot.
1: I know your family is from Italy, in the whole scheme of, like, where the great coffees come from, is Italy in the top five, the top ten of, like, coffee countries?
2: That's actually a great question. It's al- it's also a misconception. Uh, coffee is not grown in Italy at all.
1: Okay, I didn't know that.
2: So, the coffee is brought into Italy. Uh, yeah hundreds of master roasters, it is the home of espresso and the process of brewing coffee in an espresso format. So there's definitely a lot of culture and history in Italy as far as uh, espresso coffee, uh, pretty much ingrained in society there. But yeah, coffee actually does not grow in Italy, but it does get uh, roasted, packaged and distributed worldwide from Italy.
1: That's a good like trivia pursuit question right there. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: Well, oh, yeah, definitely. I and mean, you hear espresso, and you automatically assume, oh, Italy and whatnot, uh, or European countries in general, but the very few actually grow the coffee themselves.
1: This kind of parlays into a good question, you know what I mean? Talking about buying the coffee itself. For my listeners, okay, let's say they want to start dabbling in making coffee at home or getting a little more into it. Where should they buy their coffee if they want to get a little snobby? Should they go to a supermarket? Should they just go online or... Can you give me some guidance? As
2: far as trying new coffees and just, you know, kind of introducing your palate to coffee in general, I would start with the local coffee shop, the local cafe. Uh, A lot of local coffee shops, they take a lot of great pride in the quality of coffee that they'll sell and serve. And a lot of times they'll go out of their way to source the right coffee that they feel would complement the consumer. Uh, a lot of those coffee shops will actually sell the beans themselves. So that's always a great place to try. Uh, you know, Start with your neighborhood coffee shop and see what they're serving and see what they've got on the shelf. And uh, that's always a great place to start as far as experimenting goes. I think if you go to the grocery store, you could kind of get lost. Um, I'm not sure how it is in the U.S. I know here in Canada, there's a whole aisle devoted to coffee, uh, whether it's ground coffee or the whole coffee beans and whatnot. You really don't know where it starts and stops and, and what to choose from. At the end of the day, you want to start off slowly because, just like, say, alcohol, there are mm. hundreds, if not thousands,
1: of beans and blends to try. Let's say you go to the local supermarket. There's a little stereotype that those coffee beans or coffee that you're selling there has been there forever. Is it kind of like you're going to lose some freshness when you go to the supermarket compared to your local coffee store? Is that kind of true or not really it,
2: it is in the sense that uh, most coffee that's been produced and distributed to the grocery stores now that's done on a mass scale so they're not going to be roasting and packaging and distributing as frequent as they would in a smaller batch or a smaller coffee shop so yeah you would end up finding stuff in the grocery store that could have anywhere from a one to two year shelf life yeah this not going to be the freshest thing. exactly it, it, it really depends on what kind of a coffee connoisseur you are if that even matters in, in a sense if you're not that particular it's you know it's, it's really not that big of a deal if you're budget conscious also not that big of a deal as well usually palate will dictate your uh, selection and your taste from there don't be surprised too the grocery stores do bring in a lot of great blends as well and some of them actually have roasting on site which i've seen a, a little more frequently around here too Oh, cool! So some grocery stores are actually roasting their own coffee. Can't get fresher than freshly roasted, really. So, <laughs> I wouldn't rule out the grocery store just yet. It can definitely blow your mind because there's just too many to choose from at that point.
1: Makes sense. So
2: maybe not the first place I would start, but definitely once you've found the coffee you like, you're most likely to find it at the grocery store for the price you're looking for, which isn't a bad thing.
1: Now, back to Coffee 101. So I noticed this on some of the labeling. I didn't understand this. Maybe you could explain it to me. What do you mean by a natural process versus a wash process when we talk about preparing the coffee that someone's going to buy? Does that make a difference in taste or to the Um, consumer?
2: Not not really to the consumer. Um, Really, what that is, is the process before it's even made it to the roasting process. So it's once the, the bean has been harvested and separated. Uh, to the actual pea itself that's going to be roasted. As they're um, harvesting that coffee, they do want to wash it and make sure that it's been you know, thoroughly removed from any pesticides, uh, anything that could have possibly contaminated it. Usually the natural process would just refer to not using any chemical solutions in order to achieve that. So it doesn't guarantee hundred percent of those uh, sedatives or pesticides are removed, but it does guarantee that it's done in the most natural process possible. Uh, they also do that with decaffeination as well. What's called a Swiss water process, so they they're able to remove a good portion of the caffeine by using this natural process as well.
1: Yeah. So you know, with that, I think we got some basics, but let's do some some storage tips. So some of my listeners do like coffee. And they want to know how to store it to get the most out of it. So when we talk about fresh coffee, if you get something that's vacuum packed, is that good enough? Is that the standard keeping the coffee fresh? If it's vacuum packed, is that you want to read it on your label?
2: If you're buying coffee that's already been vacuum packed, mm-hmm. I personally don't suggest it. The, the okay. reason I say that is because when coffee is roasted, it begins to release uh, gases after the roasting process. So carbon dioxide is actually being released from the bean as part of its fermentation. If you take coffee that's been freshly and roasted and you seal it in a package without any way for the air to escape, it's basically going to be sitting in those gases. I, I'll find that if you do that, it'll actually create, um, it, it'll definitely deteriorate some of the flavor of the coffee but it'll bring out a lot of the acidity what you want to look for when you're buying coffee that's sealed in a package Mm -hmm. that it has what's called a a one-way valve or degassing valve that way the air can escape from the package but not allow air to re-enter into the package so it will remove the gases but it won't compromise the flavor of taste now if you've already bought the coffee and it's in the one-way valve packaging and you've opened it up and you're starting to use it at that point, you can repackage it if you wanted to vacuum pack it or put it in, a, say, a Tupperware or something that will seal it correctly because at that point, the process has already been complete. Usually about 10 to 14 days, those gases will have already been removed from the coffee. It will kind of take away some of the flavor at that point. It won't be that fresh, uh, that fresh impact that you'd be looking for, but it will preserve it. That way you'll get a few weeks, maybe even a couple of months out of it, uh, depending on how much you consume and how much you
1: purchase at a time so let me get this straight so if i go to a supermarket i love talking about these supermarkets if you get a nicer coffee there should be a one-way valve on it like on the packaging
2: on, on the package itself so
1: that's so cool i didn't even know that steve and that is
2: awesome i know this is audio um, yeah. however i just want to point out to you here if you can see on this package right yeah. here, there's a circle valve, okay and that valve is on every bag of coffee that you buy, it should have this valve somewhere towards the top again, just to allow the air to escape from it. So that's definitely something you want to look for when you're buying your coffee.
1: I think before I go home after the podcast, I'm just gonna to go to the store to like verify this. That's so cool. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> How about this question? Back on like keeping it fresh, storage tips. How about keeping the coffee in a freezer refrigerator? Is that a good move? That's solid, I know what I'm talking about move right there.
2: No, so uh,
1: no. Another mis-
2: <laughs> yeah, an- another misconception as well. I would never recommend, especially whole bean. Now, I know once coffee's already been ground, you- you've already sort of taken away a lot of the uh, the flavor from the coffee at that point. Once it's already been pulverized into a ground form, so at that point, if you're putting it in the freezer for storage, it's not the worst thing in the world. the The problem with freezing your coffee is that you will reintroduce condensation into the bean and that moisture uh, will actually also deteriorate and break down the flavor of the coffee as well if you're planning to put that coffee in any type of grind and brew system you could also potentially damage your machine because now oh. the bean has a more moisture to it right so technically a, a burr grinder or a mm-hmm. coffee grinder or any type of milk doesn't want to break down something that's you know, moist and gummy and whatnot, it'll just kind of mess up the machine. It won't give you the flavor that you're looking for. So dry pantry, uh, your cupboard, you know, you can keep it in a, a dark place, you know, somewhere like that. But I really would stay away from the fridge or the freezer for coffee.
1: I love that one. Now, what about, you kind of mentioned it, but I want to bring this up as a question itself. So one of my listeners says, is it true, quote, don't buy coffee that has already been grounded because it loses its quality and flavor right away. So should I be buying the bean? Should I be like old schooling, like grounding my beans?
2: Again, it really is a preference of the palate. You can taste the difference between freshly ground coffee versus Mm -hmm. coffee that's already been pre-ground. Well, Mm -hmm. then your taste buds have already been heightened to be able to determine the difference. If you don't know, you'll never know, really, at the end of the day. I'm just not a fan of it. It's just not going to be as fresh. You're just not going to get the same impact that you would on a freshly ground cup of coffee. That's, that's for sure. All
1: right. So when I was growing up, there was something called, I think it was called the Pepsi Challenge, where there was like a blindfold. <laughs> you had to pick Pepsi or Coke. So if I gave the Steven Challenge and I put grounded coffee versus non-grounded, do you think you could taste the difference? I, I believe I could, yeah. Ah, all right. I like this. I like this. <laughs> so since I know that your family has an awesome business, I wanted to talk about getting a coffee machine. I know it's a very broad statement. There are so many different types of coffee machines out there. Um, I'm going to be me. Hey, Stephen, I'm Dr. Raj. and I want to get a coffee machine. It's not like a Keurig. I want to get something that's kind of like a nice entry level machine to get nice coffee in the morning. What's your sales pitch? And what are the different types of coffee machines for someone like me who just wants to start getting into it a little bit more than just curing yeah
2: and that's actually a great question definitely one of the more common questions i encounter with my customers on a day-to-day um what i find is that the first question you need to be asked or ask yourself is what kind of coffee do i want what am i going to use the machine for am i a drip coffee type of morning cup of joe person am i an espresso connoisseur or do i like the ability to make espresso Or do I want milk-based beverages like your lattes and cappuccinos? Once you're able to to decide what type of coffee you plan to enjoy the most, that will kind of put you in the direction of the type of machine that you're looking for. Because you're you're absolutely right. There is a vast selection of machines to choose from. Uh, Whether it's a drip coffee maker or a one-touch cappuccino machine that has all the features packed into one unit, you could really go in so many different directions. So... The first question you're going to ask yourself is, what kind of coffee do I like and what am I planning to make with it? Uh, The second question you're going to ask yourself is, what's my budget? Mm -hmm. Because really, you can get into a coffee maker that's under the $100 price point, or you can get into a couple of thousand, even several thousand dollars for a high quality espresso. Again, you have to really ask yourself, am I going to utilize this investment? Is it something I'm buying more just for when I'm entertaining guests? serious coffee drinker that's going to really put my machine to work and then from there we'll kind of start to steer into okay are you a hands-on person that would like to make something with what we call a semi-automatic espresso machine mm-hmm. a semi-automatic so now you're grinding the coffee separately applying it into what's called a portafilter or a handle and then you're going to manually brew your cup of coffee froth your milk yourself and, and, and really take the few moments to sort of be the barista at home <laughs> <laughs> some people want all of that without having to do anything more than just pushing one button
0: <laughs> for
2: that. There's definitely a machine for that too. There are automatic grind and brew espresso cappuccino makers that as long as you've got beans, water and milk in your carafe, yeah. push the cappuccino button and it will do all of that for you from bean to cup. At the end of the day, how much work do you want to put into making yeah. your beverage? You know, um, and what am I going to be
1: drinking? During the last two, three years, broad, I'm going off script because I just love talking to you. I was going to say, would you say that, you know, people are investing more and more in coffee because they're at home more during the pandemic? Did, did sales go up during the pandemic or down? And and also, are more people in general, are they are they more lazy like me when it comes to they want the best coffee, but press one button? Or do most people like all doing them things, all those different things by hand? What's your experience at your job?
2: As for the pandemic, yeah, uh, we did see a spike in sales. Um, of course, with the lockdowns and the shutdowns and whatnot, now a lot of people were no longer able to go to their neighborhood coffee shop. Exactly. A lot of people weren't driving through their Starbucks drive through on the way to work and that sort of thing because they weren't leaving the house at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, started to invest in espresso machines for the home. Not all of them went with the high-end, one-touch fully super automatics but people were definitely looking for a way to brew coffee in the comfort of their own homes we found that coffee as opposed to the machines themselves in just coffee alone we had a significant spike pretty much for the same reason people were stocking up on everything and anything that they could so uh, where you would just walk into our shop and pick up your bag for the week Uh, Now you were buying a case of it online because you weren't sure when the next time you were going to be able to actually get out there and get your coffee. That was what we saw with the pandemic. And yes, just as far as getting into the machine itself goes, it wasn't as if everybody decided let's all buy one touch cappuccino makers and whatnot. What I've kind of found as far as the consumer in choosing the machine goes is that they'll try one type of machine for so many years, and then when it's time to replace that machine with something different, they'll, at that point, consider going in a different direction. Oh, I see. To kind of change it up. Mix a it little. up a little bit, yeah. You've driven a red car for 10 years. That car <laughs> needs to be replaced. Maybe I'll get a black one this time or, or whatever it Yeah. Is. So that, that's what we kind of see um, as far as our clients go. And, and again, being in the industry for so many years, A lot of our customers are repeat customers, customers that my father sold me to 20, 30 years ago. I find myself selling them their second or third machine so many years later. So Uh we're we're able to actually see what direction our customers have gone in and what they really prefer. Some people really don't want to use an electric espresso machine at all. Uh, You can brew it right on a stovetop with a simple (laughs) little what they call a mocha. Probably one of the best espressos you'll ever drink. Really, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a thirty to forty dollar item that all you need is um, an open flame or a stovetop to make. So, you know, it's it's really just a matter of preference and taste. And we've kind of seen all ends of the spectrum as far as that goes.
1: Well, I like that. Well, my next broader topic is going to be the going to Starbucks because I'm always humbled when people know their coffees, they order their different stuff. I'm like. What did you order? What was that? Well, what, what did you put in it? Why okay. is it you know, I need some kind of like terminology list. So this is the what's it called segment. So okay. can you can you define these for us? OK, so, so I'm going to do
2: my best because <laughs> I know that I know I know you like Starbucks. I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've experienced that with you before. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not to say that I don't like Starbucks, but <laughs> I guess I've been spoiled with being able to make my own coffee for so many years that I don't <laughs> find myself getting it from the drive throughs or or from the local cafes in general. So I know Starbucks has their own language. I I don't know the whole translation, but I'll do my best to answer whatever you've got as far as that.
1: You know, Starbucks should pay me for this, but I'm using it as a broad term, you know, but I think in here in LA we have coffee bean. There's a couple of other really nice ones here, but here's the terms. Latte. What is a latte?
2: Basically a, a, a latte, you're taking espresso coffee as your base and you're introducing steamed milk to it. So a little denser, more of a morning cup, uh, not as airy as you would get in, say, a cappuccino, but, um, yeah, the majority of it would be steamed milk, whether it's 2% whole milk, almond milk, whatever the preference is or your dietary restrictions are and whatnot, you can choose any type of milk you want as far as that goes. But at the end of the day, a latte is steamed milk and a shot of espresso.
1: All right, and then uh, I'm going to go a little off topic here because you know, one of my other sections was don't cry over spilt milk. So, choosing the milk, <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, beyond just I'm um, lactose intolerant or something like that, does uh, does milk have a big role in the coffees and the cappuccinos and lattes? Is there a big role of choosing the right milk?
2: 100, um, aside from your dietary restrictions or your personal preference. Uh, when you're steaming different types of milk, they will produce different textures, even different tastes as well. Frothing something like, say, a 2% milk will bring out some of the sweetness that you'll find in that milk. And almond milk, it's more of a water-based, so you're not going to get the same texture that you would. Whole milk is a lot thicker. Um, if you're using, like, a homo milk, for example, you're going to get a real fattier type of uh, coffee, so to speak. So, definitely milk plays a major role in it, and no two milks are the same. <laughs> so, you will definitely see a difference in, in the way that every coffee is made based on the type of milk you're using with your coffee.
1: What is the standard? Let's say you don't, that someone doesn't ask you what milk you want. Is there a standard milk that's made for just with most lattes? And I'm going to ask about cappuccinos in a second. Is it just whole milk, the standard move? cafes i see around
2: here in in canada or at least in the gta here i I believe everybody typically goes with the two percent unless you've requested otherwise okay it's usually your happy medium as far as uh, frothing goes and just uh, something that appeals to most people in general
1: i got it i'm kind of into like the the oat milk lately i got it by accident is that popular right now in in toronto is that a new move have you tried the oat milk
2: i I was actually drinking it for a while myself i lactose intolerance, so I switched from the 2% to, I was trying soy milk for a while, uh, mm-hmm. the almond milk, and then, yeah, I started uh, with the oat milk. Um, as far as frothing goes, I haven't really experimented with it as much as I should, um, so I can't really recall what the outcome was the few mm-hmm. times that I have made it, uh, but definitely a good alternative to, to your out Okay. Diet, that's for sure. That's for sure.
1: So now let's go back. So we, we got the latte definition. Compare that to the cappuccino. What, how, what's the big difference between a cappuccino and a latte?
2: Really, the difference between the two is just the way the milk is froth. So,
1: uh, what do you first mean first by frothing? You, give me the definition of that. Yeah, sorry. So so when you're frothing
2: milk, you're introducing steam via a, a steam wand or what's a, in Italian we call it a panarello. So <laughs> basically, the machine <laughs> will produce coffee and it will also produce uh, steam, and that steam will allow you to froth your milk so you're basically infusing the steam into the milk itself and that will change the texture it will heat up the milk so that will increase your uh, your milk from obviously room temperature or refrigerated temperature to the hot milk that you're trying to achieve the more you froth it or the way you'll apply the steam wand into the milk will change the texture and the temperature and that will give you either more air or less air Air introduced to the milk will give you that lighter, those uh, larger bubbles. And and that's what you'll find in a cappuccino. You find that Uh with a cappuccino, you can almost take a spoon and kind of scoop uh, some of that cream right off, almost like a dollop of whipped cream. Yeah. So much air that's been introduced, that milk has been aerated to give you that very light texture. Cappuccino is great for afternoons and evenings because it's not as on the stomach, that sort of thing. That's why I find that people will typically go for a latte in the morning. Cappuccino is a great afternoon alternative. The difference really between cappuccino and latte is just the density of the milk itself. They're both espresso coffee. So the coffee portion will never really change in that aspect.
1: So what is an espresso? So both latte and cappuccinos are with espressos, there's this difference in the density of the milk. So what is an espresso by definition?
2: Espresso, not oh to be confused. espresso. You, know you know I'm a stickler for that.
1: You got me, okay, my bad.
2: <laughs> espresso sounds great because it just sounds like a really fast coffee, right? It does, like, it does. Just give it to me and, and, I'm on, and I'm out the door, so that's espresso. <laughs> espresso is a really concentrated cup of coffee, usually reduced to um, one and a half to two ounces and it's by applying pressure and a lesser temperature of water to the bean itself once it's been ground. So mm-hmm. drip coffee versus espresso coffee. Drip coffee is brewed at a higher temperature, and it'll be brewed at a longer period, so hot water will kind of drip through your coffee maker in intervals. It mm-hmm. takes about a minute to brew your small pot or a couple of minutes to brew a carafe of coffee. Mm-hmm. Espresso will infuse hot water. Um, instantly just by using pump pressure or manual pressure, hydraulic pressure, and within 10 seconds, it's going to pull as much flavor out of the coffee as possible, but without bringing up too much of the heat in the coffee itself. Oh. And that's what The palate of coffee is well from an espresso to a drip coffee. That's why they taste so completely different.
1: With that being said, the term Americano, I always feel like when I go to like a, a foreign country and I see that as part of the options, are they like making fun of me because I, you know, we don't know our coffee, so you get the americano coffee or? What does no. it mean?
2: <laughs> Actually, if you were to go to Venice,
1: yeah, um, where like some of the
2: oldest cafes in history are, they'll mm-hmm. have americano on the menu, but then they'll also have, I believe they call it instant coffee. I think that is more of the jab at American culture as far as <laughs> coffee goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> americano basically, it's taking an espresso shot and applying hot water to it as well. So it's just being able to extend your cup from okay. that two ounce shot to an eight ounce, ten ounce cup of
1: coffee at that point. Oh, so let me. So how does that compare to my last one, a drip coffee? So when I get an americano, it's in this. It goes into the category of espresso. So they give yes. the me an espresso, but they just put more hot water in it. Am I saying it correctly?
2: Coffee, hot water? That's correct. Yeah. So they're adding hot water to the espresso shot. And that espresso shot was brewed at espresso pressure and temperature. Drip coffee, yeah. you'll still end up with an eight or 10 ounce cup at the end of your process. But that drip coffee was brewed at a completely different pace and temperature as well. So that's why side by side, they're nothing alike, although the, the volume of coffee would be the same.
1: Um I really want to pound this home. So if I get an espresso, it's more flavorful. Am I saying the right words, Stephen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Part of that infusion process, the way the water is pushed through uh, an espresso coffee, it has just the amount of time to pull the aromas from the coffee bean, but not enough time to pull the acidity, the caffeine. And, and basically, that's what ends up being the difference overall. Espresso, you'll get that shot, and it will taste like a lot more intense than if you were to drink, say, a cup of drip coffee. But that's just based on the way the coffee was actually pulled from the bean itself.
1: But when I like, when I go to my cafeteria in the morning and I, I get my coffee, that's just a drip coffee, nothing fancy schmancy. That's just drip coffee.
2: How do you take your drip coffee? So like like when what, like what's a typical coffee for you? A, do you, you add milk to it? Are you a uh, black
1: uh, coffee guy? Well, so, you know, right now, I feel like I'm graduating from the morning coffees, which tend to be on a lighter side to me. I want to actually, you know, over years, I've been putting less of a milky creamer because I am lactose intolerant, like you. I do get a, a, a splash of almond or oat, but I feel like I'm trying to put in a little bit less to taste more of the coffee. I'm okay. trying because almonds and, you know, oat, milk is a little on the sweeter side i'm trying to put less of a sweetener in there to try to be more hey it's coffee i'm tasting it but right. i feel like what i really need to graduate to is like espresso coffee because i'm still really in the drip worlds. and i guess everything to raj is is starbucks so i guess i have a veranda blend and now i'm trying to get into a, a pike's place <laughs> you know
2: what I mean? es- espresso is definitely an acquired taste okay. i can tell you i was making large cups of double-doubles or just a lot of coffee mixed with sugar and cream and milk for years before I could really acquire a palate to drink espresso. I didn't really start drinking espresso until my, I'm going to say my mid-20s. I had already started drinking coffee in my late teens, you know, uh, studying late for exams or uh, working early in the mornings and that sort of thing, but I really didn't have a palate for espresso. I used to think it was horrible was, is it so bitter? how do you drink this i, I couldn't understand it and, and slowly you know after trying the right espresso i found one or two that I, I started to prefer and that kind of broadened my my senses and my palate into you know experimenting a little more with it and now it's all i drink really two espressos a day every day and, and that's all i'll have
1: do you put a little flavor in it do you, some of the coffee connoisseurs look down upon adding flavor to coffee you know so being from Italy, it's almost a sin.
2: Oh yeah! Um, if, you, if you were in an Italy and you asked the the barista to add cinnamon to your yeah. coffee, he'd ask you if you were baking a pie with it. It's really <laughs> not part of European culture, uh, okay. but I, I respect it. I, I, I have experimented with a lot of caramels, uh, cinnamons, um, vanilla shots, and that sort of thing. So yep. it really takes a cup of coffee and expands it into so many different ways that it just makes it that much more enjoyable for so many more people. I'm not against it at all. I think if there's something that you want to add to your coffee that will help you enjoy it that much more, by all means, enjoy
1: it. The last couple, I promised my listeners I'll ask, and there's some personal questions to you. They didn't meet you yet, but they were so excited. We're having, like, I'm switching the the podcast to some really just fun stuff right now, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they want to know, in your opinion, in your words, what makes a good coffee?
2: Again, I I always just think it goes back to preference. You'll try more bad coffees in your life than good coffees. Okay. That's what's going to help you decide what a good coffee is. What a good coffee is for me, the perfect balance of temperature. Coffee has to be ground a certain way. If you grind it too coarse, you're going to get a weaker cup of coffee. If you grind it too fine, fine. You're going to get uh, too concentrated in extraction. So everything's a a matter of balance. And of course, trying not to overindulge. I I drink one or two espressos a day, and I think that's more than adequate. I know some people that can drink up to 10 a day. Man. It's a a little excessive. Yes. Um, So, you know, uh, as far as what makes a good cup of coffee, I think it just boils down to what you like. You have to enjoy it. You're the only one. Who's going to appreciate it? And it's just such a personal thing. I mean, what my palate experiences and what yours would experience, even trying the exact same cup of coffee, could be completely different. So it's really when they say it's a matter of taste, it's literally a matter of taste.
1: So I'm I'm gonna make up this question right here. So if I were to like just go into your fridge right now, oh, not fridge, your 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 cabinets. Would I see in the fridge? It wouldn't be in the (laughs) fridge. I'm listening. I'm listening. Would would I see some some beans that are there that are going to be eventually grounded into coffee, ready to go in in a one way valve pack? (laughs)
2: I keep a, a bag of my family's recipe on hand at all times. I, for that, I am biased. It's the only coffee you'll find in my house. Mm-hmm. If we run out, we don't drink anything. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to get in the car in the middle of the night, go to the shop, grab a few bags. That way I know that when we wake up in the morning, it's there. So for that, I'm a little biased. The only espresso that I'll drink is, is our own family recipe.
1: Would it, would it be a nightmare, let's say, you're, you're low on coffee and... I, I heard you have a very beautiful wife named Karen, and she just tried to, uh, you know, just be be a team player and grab some Dunkin' Donuts insta-coffee and put it in the fridge or the, the, the closet. Would she get in trouble for doing that?
2: She won't, only because she'll be the only one to be drinking it. it it's all hers. I, I'll have no part in it. She'll get to enjoy every last drop all to herself. And you know what? If that's what my wife likes, then she'll just end up off my parents' Christmas list.
1: So uh, I know you mentioned already, we're just using the broad term of uh, espresso, and maybe that is the right answer. Um, is that your favorite coffee, or is, there, or is there more to the ordering? Is it like a double espresso with this, extra hot? What is your drink? You know what I mean? That's
2: my favorite espresso beverage is what's yeah. called an affogato.
1: Did you make that up? Is that, a, is that a standard? No, no.
2: You you can. It, it's Googleable. I, I guess that's. A,
1: a, <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll look that you, word up too. <laughs> <can Google> that.
2: <laughs> so yeah, what what an affogato is? It's an espresso shot served over uh, a scoop of ice cream.
1: Shut up! What 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 ice cream? What ice cream? I mean, keep on in, going.
2: It, in Italy, traditionally, we'll use a lemon sorbet with a shot of espresso over that. Oh. Uh, Although I find that a, a scoop of vanilla ice cream is fantastic with it. It's okay. Perfect combination. So that for me is like if, if I had to take my coffee drinking up a couple of notches, yeah. Especially on a hot summer day, an afogato for me is the way to go.
1: Now, if I go to a, a fancy schmancy restaurant, I don't have any time to do that or the money, but if I do, is that on the menu for a fancy restaurant if I ask for that?
2: It, it, it should be. And if it okay. isn't, it should be added to it. Um, I, I could see a lot of specialty coffee shops offering that. I and mean, okay. of course, if they have ice cream as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've seen it in a few places. So honestly, why not?
1: Because it, it sounds be pretty, high. it sounds pretty damn good, Stephen. I got to tell you. <laughs> next,
2: next time we see each other, I'll be happy to make one for you. Oh,
1: cool. Deal. Deal. Um, Okay. The last two questions. One is, Uh, You also have a very beautiful daughter. And for those who don't know, Stephen, his beautiful wife is my cousin. So that's why I think Stephen and his family are so special to me and my family. And you have a beautiful daughter named Victoria. When are you going to let her drink coffee? And you better watch yourself because if my daughter listens to this, I'm going to come get you.
2: It's funny. With my my daughter growing up around it so much, um, she really doesn't like the smell of it altogether. It's not something that she's interested in by any means. I, I'll jokingly offer her, you know, hey, you want you wanna, you want want a coffee? <laughs> uh, you look a little uh, sleepy-eyed before school. Can I, can I make you a double espresso? And, I'll, of course, I'll get those looks from her like, that. are you crazy? I don't I won't drink that. Oh, that smells gross. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> so right now I don't have that issue. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see myself letting her – I mean – I wouldn't I should watch how I say that because I wouldn't necessarily stop her from it, but I would highly recommend that she at least waits until she's you know 18, 19, yep. 20 years old to start, you know, drinking something that's got caffeine in it. Yeah. Yep. As a teenager or as a young child, it's definitely not something that I would recommend. Um so as far as my own daughter goes, I'm not concerned as of yet yeah I think when we, when we have to cross that bridge, um, she'll at least be informed about it, and she'll know and she'll know where to get a good cup. so you know, for that you know we'll
1: and, look her. and she'll know that the beans aren't in the freezer or the fridge that, that for sure <laughs> it fresh. Um, fresh, right? <laughs> And last question I'll let you go. um this is this is from one of my listeners, and I can relate to it. I'm always drinking my coffee in the car because I'm always running somewhere and I'm in a hurry. And I got to tell you, I tend to spill coffee on my clothes quite a bit. You're a coffee dude. Has anyone ever asked you how you get rid of coffee stains by any chance? Do you have any secret (laughs) tips so uh, I could not ruin every shirt and pant?
2: (laughs) We're black. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) If you see a barista with a white T-shirt on, chances are he's either really good at his job or he'll learn very quickly to wear a black shirt the next day. <laughs> very hard to get coffee stains out uh, of anything. I can tell you from experience, I've got a lot of shirts and, uh, and pants that are just riddled with coffee everywhere. And it just does not come out. I wear an apron to work now because of that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just just wear black.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, I knew I was going to love chatting with you because you're just an awesome dude. So, can you say something about if they want to download your podcast, they want to find you, they want to find up your your parents store? How how do they get that information? Can you just yeah, tell about absolutely.
2: yourself? So, the podcast is called the Been There Done That Show. Uh, we've done two seasons so far. And uh, basically, my, my co-host, uh, Mike, and I, we just kind of banter back and forth about different coffee facts, uh, coffee fiction, coffee stories in general, really. So we kind of riff about that. We'll, we'll put a little educational part in there here and there, but it's, it's usually just coffee talk in general. Uh, so that you can hear on all formats, uh, anywhere where you can get the, the Dr. Raj podcast. You'll find us there, too. And as far as the, the machines go or the family business, uh, you can find everything on NorthwestKitchenware.com. A uh, full selection of espresso machines, accessories, coffee beans. We, uh, we also have uh, cleaning products for your machines. Uh, we offer tips and education on your product as well. So a lot of information that you can kind of peruse through when you're on the website. Uh, or, of course, if you're in the GTA and you're in the Toronto area, come by our showroom and uh, visit us anytime.
1: Well, hey, Stephen, you're awesome. And thank you for being with us today. That was the Dr. Raj podcast. And I hope we all learned a little something. I know I did. And I can't wait to use my new skills and knowledge. And stay tuned for another episode. And take care, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.